0: Uh, But I, I, I'm glad we can get into the word of God, aren't you? Uh, uh, You know, it's not, uh, we don't come up here and just give opinions and things like that. I want to give the truth of God's word. Uh, You know, if we're going to find any knowledge, any hope, uh, any comforting, any, anything, it's going to be from God's word today. uh, And that's where I want to open up. I want to read. And then I'll give quite a bit of introduction and then we'll get to uh, where we're at. But I want to read Job uh, chapter 9. We're going to be at the end of the chapter. We're going to start in verse 30. So Job 9 verse 30 says this If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never uh, so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch and mine own clothes shall abhor me uh, for he is not a man as I am that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that uh, might lay his hand upon us Both, let him take his rod away from me, and let not his fear terrify me. Then would I speak and not fear him. But it is not so with me. Let's go to the Lord prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for its truth. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be able to preach this morning. Touch my throat. Lord, help uh, us to listen and to hear and to learn. Uh, Lord, put away the distractions. And Lord, help us to see what your word has for us. And if there's any lost, I pray they'd come to know you. Lord, any uh, that have wandered away, that they would find you again. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us direction, challenge us, Spiritually, Lord, and help us to draw closer to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, and amen. So, the book of Job, many of us know the very beginning of the book of Job, the first two chapters, and we know the very end of Job, and, uh, but we don't spend a whole lot of time in between. And I'll, I'll admit it, a lot of times when I'm reading, I'm thinking, my goodness, it seems to keep going on. Uh, you know, uh, all the 40 some chapters that it goes through, and sometimes it gets rough. But in the beginning, if you've never read, uh, this book is about a person. His name is Job, uh, and God describes him in the beginning as a perfect and upright uh, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Uh, So he is a good man. That's what we find out in the beginning. But we find out he's also a blessed man. He's got 10 children. Not only that, he's got 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and donkeys. Uh, And it says, uh, sums it up, he was the greatest of all men in the East. But then, as soon as we figure out who Job is, uh, we're up in heaven and we see Satan uh, visiting God, uh, and, uh, and 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 God is talking about Job, how, how how what a what a great man he is, and Satan basically saying, "Hey, uh, God, Job only fears you because you've blessed him. You take away his blessings, he won't fear you anymore." And you know, see, a lot of times we think about uh, you know many purposes for the Book of Job, but I believe this. This is one of the big ones. Do, do you love God today because of what he's done for you? Do you love God today because of your circumstances that you're in? What happens if your health goes away? Or do you still love God? Are you still thankful for your salvation? Do you, are you still going to serve God even if your health goes up? What if you get bad news? Then what? And, and this is the big question of the book. What is Job going to do when his situation turns upside down? Is he going to turn away from God or is he going to stick with God? You know, the same question is for you and I. That's right. The same question, what are we going to do when, you know, not everything is going to be great? And one of the truths you learn in the book of Job, see, they thought at that time uh, that bad things happened because you were sinning against God. That's what they thought. And then they, you realize throughout this book, one of the things you learn that bad things happen to good people. You learn that. And a lot of us could say, amen, I, 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 we have felt that. So what happens is Job loses everything. He loses his children. He loses all the livestock. Uh, and then he physically, uh, the next time Satan comes before him, he's allowed to touch him and he's got boils from the head of his feet to the top of his toes. And he's there uh, sitting in ashes and he's got a piece of broken pottery scraping his skin, trying to find some relief. Job goes from the greatest man in the East, and now he's in trouble. Now he's in uh, in deep sadness and depression and everything else. And then the bulk of the book is he's got three friends that come to visit him. And and at first they, you know, they just kind of sit there and they, they mourn with him. But then as it goes on, the chapters, you will see one of the friends giving advice to Job and then Job's responding. And that's what the bulk of this book is. And that's kind of what we're going to look at, one of the responses that Job has. But the first one, uh, uh, one one of the good ones that I found, I found something important in is in chapter 7. Job responds to the first one and he admits something. He says, I have sinned. You know, that's something we all had to admit at one point, right? That we are sinners. If if you're going to come before Jesus Christ, you have to admit that you're a sinner. So he sees himself as a sinner before God and sees himself unworthy of God's attention and God's heart. And like I said, they thought, the three friends thought that God was punishing Job. But in the end, we realized they were wrong. Remember at the beginning, God was honoring Job Before even the devil, and was allowing him to go through this trial. So then the second friend, this is what I want to focus on, uh, starts speaking in chapter eight. And this leads up to Job's response in chapter nine. But in chapter eight, verse three, he asks Job, Doth God pervert judgment? He's saying basically, There's no way that all of these things could have happened to you, Job, uh, unless you've got some kind of secret sin that God is punishing. And then he goes further in verse 4. It gets worse. Uh, Verse 4, he's basically saying that if thy children have sinned against him and and he have cast them away for their transgressions. He's saying maybe you weren't the one that was sinning, Job. Maybe it was your kids. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were sinning. Uh, And and if they wouldn't have been sinning, they'd still be alive today. Now these are his friends coming to comfort him, right? You're thinking that's not very comforting at all, is it? Have you ever had people like that? you something bad has happened to you and they come to you and they give you, try to cheer you up. And in the end, they're realizing they're giving you ridiculous things. Even sometimes you can use a Bible verse and it doesn't comfort. Sometimes they just need love and need an ear to listen to and someone to pray for. So basically your children, they'd be alive today. And then... Uh, verse, so again, they came to mourn with him. They came to comfort him, but they weren't really comforting because he's basically saying your kids deserved it. They they deserved to die. And all of this foolish things, they needed to show love. But in verse five, he, in chapter eight, he says, if thou wouldest seek God, seek unto God be times. And that means early in the morning and make supplication to the almighty. So basically he's saying, Job, uh, if you would just get up early in the morning and pray, things would be different again bad advice what cuz he's saying you're just not praying enough and that's why these bad things are happening to you again Bad advice. And if we realize the way Job lived his life, he was an exceptional person. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Job rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings. And it tells us why for each of his children. Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually... So you see, the way that Job was is he prayed for his children early every morning, interceded for them every morning just in case they did something foolish against God. And now one of his friends, what's he saying? What's he saying? If you'd have just prayed for them, right? If they wouldn't have sinned, and if you'd have just prayed for them, everything would be all right. Again, it's a lie. It's not true. It's not comforting. It's false. It's false. Job did pray for his children, and and the mess wasn't because of that. And then in verse 6, Bildad, his friend, in chapter 8, if you would have lived a pure and upright life, things would have been different. And then later on in verse 13, he even calls him a hypocrite. Verse 20, behold, God will not cast away a perfect man. So he's hitting him with a lot here. It's not very comforting. So now finally we get to the response I didn't read all of it in chapter nine, but early on in verse two, uh, how should man be just with God? This is one of the answers that Job is saying. He's saying, listen, how, uh, how can we even be seen as just or righteous before God? He's saying, I, the way I lived, I know how I've lived and, and God bragged about how Job lived. Yet, if I haven't lived a good enough life to escape the judgment of God, who can escape? If I couldn't find approval from God, who could find approval from God? How could a man be considered righteous before God? You know, Job is starting to realize the true answer. We can't. We can't be seen righteous before God. Down to verse 14. Uh, How could we answer or reason with God? That's what he's saying down here. Uh, He says this. How much less shall I answer him and choose out my words to reason with God? See, this is what other people try to do. They try to say, well, you know, I'll just talk it out with God, right? I'll I'll just convince him to do this or to do that. And Job's saying, who am I to do that? Who am I to do that with God? And then down to verse 20, what's he say there? If I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. What's he saying? If I were to say I'm good enough for God, I'm lying. Ooh, ooh. I wish this world would grasp that. Down to verse 25. What's he say now? Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. Uh, They see no good. And then in the next verse, it's as the eagle that hasteth to its prey. He's saying, listen, my life is flying by. It's going faster and faster, just like the eagle swooping down to get its prey. Verse 28. I'm afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou will not hold me innocent. Again, he said, I've sinned. I'm guilty before God. And now he's getting, uh, verse 29, if I be wicked, then uh, I labor I in vain. But now to where we got to, this is where I wanted to focus on. Then he switches in verse 30. What's he say? If I wash myself with snow water. And make make my hands never so clean. And again, this the book of Job's the oldest book in the Bible, the oldest written one. So there's some wording in here that's older, some uh, some phrasing in here that's a little older, but it's okay. We can make it. You got to think about who Job is. You know, before technology, before cars, before all these things. He's living, uh, you know, in an area where he can have all these animals and everything else, probably not too unlike where we live here, uh, some of the same type of terrain and everything else. And he's saying, listen, I could travel up to that mountain, go all the way to it. I could climb all the way up to the top uh, where the snow is at, because that's probably the purest, whitest thing that I can find. And I can take that snow and I can try to wash my hands with it. And guess what? It's not good enough. Yeah, You get that? He's giving one example. And you're thinking, Mike, that sounds kind of strange. Let me ask you this. How many different ways have people invented to try to wash themselves, yeah. to try to get rid of their own sins yeah. before God? Uh, all sorts of rituals, all sorts of things to try to do something with their own hands, uh, do something within themselves to wash away their own sin. And it doesn't work. That's right. That's what Job's telling him. Amen. He saying "Listen, we can't get rid of our sins. Even if we go up to the mountain and wash, even if we go to the uh, to the baptismal font and we we dunk in there, and you just go down a dry sinner and come up a wet sinner. Uh, that's not going to do it. You see what he's saying? I still would have unclean hands before God." even if I did all of that. And men have been trying for centuries and thousands of years, but it is useless for men uh, to try with their own good works to be justified before God. What's he saying verse 31? Even though he did that, his hands still won't be clean. The end of verse 30, 31, yet shall thou plunge me into the ditch and mine own clothes shall abhor me. What he's saying right here is he's saying, listen, Even in spite of what I can do, even in spite of how I can live, he'll just throw me into the pit, right? No hope. No excuse, no way to fix it. Isaiah 59 nine two. your iniquities have separated you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. I am here to tell you the Bible is crystal clear about a couple of things. And one of them is that you and I cannot live a sinless life. We cannot live a perfect life. We can't be perfectly holy. And we can do it in our standard if we make up the rules. But guess what? We've got to do it by the Bible standard. And we can't make it. And see, this can get confusing. They'll say, well, Mike, then that means the Bible contradicts itself. Because didn't you say in Job 1 verse 5 and then a couple other times in the first chapter uh, that God calls him a perfect and upright man? He does. Well, but here's the thing. In the King James, perfect doesn't mean the perfection that we think of today. It means more of complete and exceptional. You know what we would say? You eat something that's real good. You go over to Mel's house after church. She makes something real good. You eat it. She asks, how was it? And you'd say, oh, that was perfect. Right? You're saying, that's amazing. That's great. That's what God was saying. Job was exceptional in his day in righteousness. He didn't live a perfect life. Remember, he said, I've sinned. I'm guilty before God. So he's saying this So Job's an exceptional man, but not perfect holiness. And he's admitting that he's a sinner. And he knows that sin will bring judgment. And he knows that that judgment will bring punishment from God. And now in verse 32, uh, he goes even further and he says, for he, talking about God, is not a man as I am that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. He's saying when I stand before him, I can't argue my way out of this. You know, men will try. They'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many of these wonderful things in your name, right? Didn't we do all these things? And he'd say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. We're not going to be arguing in front of God. And Job makes it clear. And he's saying, you can't do that. You might be able to argue and get your way out of a speeding ticket. But you won't get out of your way, get out of punishment and judgment. And you know what? You can take that even further. For he is not a man as I am that I should answer him. And you realize this? If God chose not to hear our prayers, we would have no way to talk to God. Right? We can't go to him. We can't call him. We can't force him to listen. He chooses to hear our prayers. We can stop and bless God for that. Thank you, Lord, that you do that. Because he's He's God and we're not. That's the other thing Job's trying to show his friends. He's saying, listen, we're different. And there's a separation there. And we're separated no way to talk to god as a sinner man separated from god and in judgment he'll say this Matthew 25:41 Jesus said depart from me ye cursed and to everlasting life uh, or everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels so again job realizes by this point he's a sinner he realizes that sin will lead to punishment and judgment he realizes that he's only a man and he can't reason with god he can't wash his own hands even if he gets snow from the mountain he can't make himself clean his clothes are still dirty uh, his heart is still dirty. So you get to this point and you realize Job is saying it's hopeless, right? I can't live a sinless life. There's nothing I can do to fix it. There is no hope. And if we stopped at verse 32 and that was the end, there would be no hope. Right. Let's look at verse 33. Neither is there any daysman betwixt or between us that might lay his hand upon us both. Remember I said the language is a little older in this book. Daysman, we don't use this very much anymore, but all it means is a mediator, right? A mediator. So he's saying uh, this, neither is there any mediator between us that he might lay his hand upon us both. See, Job feared God. That's what God said about him. He even lived a righteous life, but Job is saying, I need a daysman. I need a mediator, right? That's what he's saying. Someone who can put their hand on God's hand and someone who could put their hand on my hand because I can't come together with God. Do you see that? He's saying, I've got to have a mediator to bring us together. And do you realize inside of that verse, the only way for a daysman or mediator to be able to do that to be able to touch God and to touch man, guess what? He would have had to be fully God, yeah. right? Because if it was another man, he couldn't talk to God either, right. right? He couldn't intercede either. But if he was just God, we'd have the same problem. Yeah. Couldn't reach down to man, right? Because there's a difference. So that days man, that mediator had to be fully God. Yeah. and fully man yeah. so he could put his hand on one and his hand on the other. Yeah. That's what he's saying right there. Do you see it? That's what he's saying. We've got to have someone that goes in between. So we need a daysman that can reach heaven and earth, that can talk to both sides, right? Because that's what a mediator does, talks to both sides. One that can enter into the presence of God the Father and one that can dwell with man, Right? He needs a daysman because his sin. He's got no hope for it, right? He's got nothing to get rid of it. Judgment is certain. Uh, he knows that if he, he dies in his sin, there, there's nothing, that, uh, nothing he can do. And guess what? We need a daysman today. Right. We need a mediator today. But unlike Job, see, Job in the Old Testament, they knew very little. They knew little glimpses and pictures of the Messiah to come right? That's all they knew. They didn't have the whole Bible. They didn't have everything laid out. But if you don't know who the daysman's name is, if you don't know who the mediator's name is, I'll tell you who he is. First Timothy 2, 5, and 6 says this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Here's what he did, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. That daysman came. What did he do? See, look at verse 34. Let him take his rod away from me and let not his fear terrify me. See, you think about that. If you knew you were a sinner and you knew that there was no escaping hell, you'd be terrified. Right? You'd be terrified of God. And not the healthy fear. You would be afraid. And he's saying, I need a daysman that'll mediate, that'll take that terror away. Oh yes, my. Amen. Do you remember the day? Good. Do you remember the amen. day when you admitted that you're a sinner? Amen. And do you remember the day that you called on Jesus Christ to yeah. save you of your sins? And do you remember that that fear of hell, as soon as you called on his name for salvation, melted away? Amen. And now instead of being afraid of God, we have a reverence for God. Praise God yeah. for that. There was a change there, and the mediator was able to do that. Now look at verse 35. It gets even better. Then would I speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. What's he saying before? Remember a couple of verses up? Uh, verse 32, for he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. What's he saying? We can't talk. I can't talk to him. But now he says, if there a mediator would come, verse 35, then I could speak to him yeah. and things would be different. Yeah. Oh my, I tell you what, that's what God wants today. He wants you to talk to him, right? Jesus wants you to talk to him. He's done all of these things so you can reach out and so you can call on His name. Remember, there was no one to bring God and man together. uh, No one to restore the fellowship that was broken in the Garden of Eden. Man couldn't approach God. And like I said again, we take it for granted that we can boldly come before the throne of grace. We take it for granted that we can approach God. We take these things for granted. And I'm telling you what, there is a daysman today. It's Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. He was both fully God and fully man. He lived a sinless life that we couldn't live, uh, even no guile was found in his mouth. Not only that, uh, it's uh, 1 Peter 2.24 says of Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye are healed. He died on the cross. He bore the full punishment of sin that we were desert. He was buried and he rose on the third day according to the scriptures and uh he did what no old testament saint could do right right. he stretched his hands from one to the other you know how he did that he stretched his hands on the cross and he allowed himself to be nailed What did they do? They suspended him up. He was between heaven and earth. Uh, He was bearing that punishment that we deserved so that we could come to him for forgiveness of sins. That's the daysman. It's Jesus Christ. He can touch both heaven and earth. He's been to both heaven and earth. And that's the daysman that Job had hoped for, right? That's what he's saying at the very end. This is who he wants. This is who he's longing for. He says, but it is not so with me. He's not here yet, right? He's not here. John 14, 6, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And yeah. he's saying, Listen, remember yeah. the snow water couldn't wash away the dirtiness of sin, but aren't you glad the blood of Jesus Christ could cleanse us from all sin? That's what the Bible says. And uh, I love the part where they took away the filthy garments, and we'll get one day a robe of white. We don't deserve it, but because of his righteousness being placed on our account, now we are seen as righteous and worthy. We were, just like Job said, he'll plunge me into the ditch, plunge me into the pit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, We deserve to be there. But instead, because of Jesus Christ, he said, I go away to prepare a place for you. And when I come again, I'm going to bring you up there to where he's at. And I'm telling you, we deserve hell, but he's preparing a place for us in heaven. Praise God. That's the daysman. That's the mediator, Jesus Christ. And it's all because we, had, we came to him. Admitted we were a sinner. Just like the Bible says, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have turned astray. All of us have gone our own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Praise God. But I like where he says, with his stripes we are healed. We can find healing. We can find forgiveness of sins, and we're thankful for that. We can find eternal hope, uh, eternal life. We can find hope through Jesus Christ. This is what Job longed for. And if you've never called on Jesus' name, you need to today, right? You need to come to him. There is nothing you can do to make it to heaven. You're saying, well, Mike, I get calls uh, you, about every other year, someone would call me and say, hey, would you baptize me? And I'll start to ask, why? why? Why do you want that? You know, why do you want to be baptized? Oh, because I want to go to heaven. And then I have to explain to them, hey, you've got to deal with Jesus first. Right. Then get baptized. Yeah. Right? Amen. Then. Baptism is the first thing in obedience after you're saved. Yeah. But you've got to be saved first. I'm pointing to the cross that's not there. Sorry, we, t- we took it down with the decorations. You're probably wondering why I keep pointing at making waves. I'm not, it's habit. There's usually a cross right here, but that's all right. Bless you, brother. But do you see that? You've got to call on his name. Yes. We've got to come to him and he's the one. But here's the thing. If you've never done that, it does you no good, that's right. Right? That's right? Just like the other three. We're trying to say, well, Job, it's because you've done this wrong or that wrong. They didn't believe God. They didn't fear God. And later on, Job ends up interceding on their behalf, right? Because they're the ones lying. They're the ones in the wrong. But I'm here to tell you, God's saying, come, right? He's saying, I died for you. I died for your sins so that you could be set free. I did what you can't. You know, they tried in the Old Testament to build that Tower of Babel. What were they trying to do? Escape judgment and get to heaven themselves. It didn't work. It still doesn't work. But maybe you're saved today. You know what? We could stop and thank God all day long and praise God that we are not waiting for a daysman to come. We know who the daysman is not because of our wisdom but because somebody shared the gospel with us and faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God and the Holy Spirit touched our heart when we heard about Jesus. We realized that we were dead in our trespasses and sins and realized that we needed him and we can praise God for that because while Job was waiting for the mediator to come we can call on the mediator today we can call on Jesus' name, he can save you today and I can say thank God Brother Preston, he saved me It's now we're getting almost 30 years ago, he saved my soul and he is just as good today as he was that day, he's still with me today, now I'm telling you I will will admit to you I keep sinning, Uh, uh, the Lord's trying to draw me closer to him and the only one that gets in the way is me uh, from him bringing me closer to him but i'll tell you what i'm saved today not because my membership is on victory's rolls not because i'm the pastor here not because of anything else but because i called on jesus's name and i trusted him for salvation i'm here to tell you if, if if all of this is wrong i have no plan b I have no other plan. I'm trusting in Jesus to get me all the way. But I can say thank God that somebody told me about him. Thank God that we had a Bible. We didn't have to guess at things like Job and his friends. Some of them had to guess at what God wanted and who God was and everything else. And most importantly, aren't you glad we can speak to the Lord anytime we want to. We don't have to wait till uh, in Jesus' earthly ministry. You'd have to figure out where he was that day to talk to him. And maybe you could break through the crowd and ask him a question, aren't you glad you can talk to him today whenever you want, no matter if it's in the middle of the night, you can pour your heart out into him, and remember, he's still a mediator the Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us, what's that mean, he takes our prayer down here, he intercedes and he takes it to God the Father that's how we are getting our prayers answered today, is because he's still listening, and he still he's, he wants to hear from you today He's the daysman. Praise God. Amen. You're thinking, well, what about Job? He, he seemed hopeless in this. He seemed helpless. It seemed like, uh, you know, there was no hope for him. There was nothing. Everything had gone wrong. There's nothing but problems. And maybe you're thinking I'm turning all the way to the end, uh, uh, you know, and, and looking at the part where he gets everything restored to him. No, no. You know how I know Job was all right? I can't find the verse off the top of my head. But he says, "I know that my redeemer liveth." Yeah, yes, amen. right. Remember what he said about amen. the daysman. Let's go back. The daysman. He said, "Neither is there any daysman betwixt us." He wasn't lying, right there. He's saying there's no fully God, fully man person yet. But he says, "I know my redeemer is alive even now." Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, "I know he's alive. I don't know his name. I don't know when he's coming, but I know he is coming." And he'll set foot. I'm paraphrasing, but basically he'll set foot on this earth. Wow. Wow. That was faith. So what did Job do? Because I hear a lot of people saying that, oh, you get saved entirely different than the Old Testament. What did Job do? He admitted he was a sinner. Right? Admitted there was nothing he could do to get out of his sin. Right? He believed there was a mediator to come. He didn't know his name. He knew he'd be fully God, fully man. And he said, I know he's alive today, even though I can't see him. Yeah! (laughs) Hey, how do you get saved today? You admit you're a sinner. Right? Yeah. You admit that there's a daisman, I'll tell you his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. He died for your sin, he's already made a way for forgiveness of sins. What do you do? You call on his name for salvation. Yes. You put your life in his hands, and he'll he'll save yourself. That's right. not only that, he wants a relationship with you, not as long as it's convenient, not even until the end of your life, you know, because marriages, they go away at the end of life. Isn't that, that in the covenant you say, till death do you part? No, he wants even beyond. He wants a relationship with you forever. Yes, Heaven and earth will pass away. His word will still be here and our relationship with him will still be there. I'm going to ask everyone to stand this morning. Job.